0: The Table Forty podcast with Matt and Leslie Holiday is presented by Sports Spectrum and the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more shows and stories on the intersection of sports and faith, check out SportsSpectrum.com. Hey, what's up, guys? Matt and Leslie back at Table Forty uh, today. We got special guests. Mike and Shara Sweeney, and Mike's a five-time All-Star for the Royals, played for some other teams, 13 seasons, uh, six kids to show for it. So uh, we're super excited to have you guys on, and uh, thanks for coming on. Good to see you guys.
1: Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Leslie. Yeah, I'm big fans of uh, PAO Sports Spectrum when we were playing active in in the big leagues. uh, Those two ministries, Baseball Chapel, were very instrumental in our marriage and in our family life and also in our careers so yeah it's a joy to be on with you guys
2: that's awesome yo us too it's amazing it is amazing the the ministries that have shaped our faith and our marriage and the way we parent and then also just the other people that you get to meet along the way but I would love to just start out and and how how you guys met so tell us that story
1: uh you want the he side or the she side all side. (laughs) all right uh, I'll I'll give the reader's sure. digest yeah. version because sure. it's it's quite funny. I'll jump in <clears throat> if I need to. Well, Shara is the daughter of a um, a former major league ball player, uh, Jim Nettles. He played six years in the ma- major leagues. Her uncle, Greg Nettles, played 22 years in the major leagues, and uh, Jim was a minor league manager. Um, so Shara lived the life of a minor league ball player. Um, she was away from her dad, um, had to go to school in Tacoma, Washington. The day after school would end. She would jump in the back of a station wagon and travel across the country to meet her dad with her mom and her brother. And um, so they lived that life and she became accustomed to being away from her dad. And um, anyways, her dad was managing in, in the Texas League and um came upon a, a hot shot prospect who wasn't working hard. And so we benched him. And the GM called and gave him a hard time and said, Look, you better, you better play him or or your butt's fired. And he said well I'm, I'm not playing him so i quit so because her father was a man of integrity he uh jumped in the car and got fired and very quit and was driving back to tacoma washington from texas and his best friend that he grew up with was my manager in the big leagues bob boone and my first manager in 1995-96 and uh, he told booney hey i got fired or got you know i quit so i'll be coming through kansas city tomorrow and make a long story short booney hired him it was like august so I not you stick around the rest of the year and throw BP, catch some bullpens. And, um, and then one night uh, it was an off day in Texas. My old roommate, Jose Rosado, Matt, I'm sure you remember the lefty. Yeah. We were walking around the mall in Arlington, Texas. And I saw our bullpen catcher, Jim Nettles, a guy that I became friends with because I was a backup catcher often. <laughs> I got to know our bullpen catchers very well. Um, and uh, I saw him with this beautiful lady at the, at the mall. And I thought, man, I didn't, I didn't have the gumption or the heart to ask him, are you married? Do you have a girlfriend? I just like three weeks later, I see him and he's got this hot little girl on his arm walking around the mall. And I thought, geez. So anyways, make a long story short, two days later, or three days later, we're flying home from Texas and I see him sit next to a pretty redhead on the airplane, our flight home. And I go, she's pretty too, but that wasn't, that wasn't that girl I saw at the mall. And then the row behind him, it was Shara. So uh, I asked her out. We, it was pretty cool. We uh, we went and had a date at Houston Steakhouse in Kansas City. Nice.
3: Solid restaurant. And
1: yeah, and, and I called my best friend that night, and she called hers and said, uh, I just met my husband, I just met my wife. And it was really cool, Matt and Leslie, because that night we, we made a pledge of faith to each other. We made a pledge of purity. And I said, look, I just met you, and I'm crazy about you, but I don't know what's going to happen with this relationship. You're going to play college volleyball tomorrow. Um, I'm going to finish up the season. But I said, I give you my word that if we continue, we're going to remain pure. And we held that true until our wedding night. And um, it's one of the greatest gifts ever. So now we are six years later, or six kids later, 19 years later. And praise God, we're doing great. So I'll let Shara answer the next question. I don't think we want to hear this. <laughs> so tell us about,
0: so you grew up in a baseball family. So tell us yes. what that was like growing up in the yeah. minor leagues, in the major leagues. Like, Tell us yeah. a little bit about your baseball experience.
3: It was so. It was a lot of fun. Um, is way different than a normal growing up life. But um, my dad played in the major leagues before I was born, so my whole entire growing up time was in the minor leagues, and um, I loved it because I I think of all the time that we got to spend together. Of course, there were a lot of times that my dad was gone and we didn't get to see him, but we had a lot of times together and. Um, A couple of times, my mom pulled my brother and I out of school and we did homeschooling before that was even a thing. And we'd go down to spring training, get our work done, go to my dad's games. And we just had so much family time together. And in the summer, it was the same thing. Um, And, you know, my parent, my mom was really, really good about making sure that we went to church where whatever city we were in, one of the first things she would do is find a church. So our faith was a very big part of our lives growing up. Um, So it, it shaped, it shaped me. I didn't know um, that it was shaping me for my future. (laughs) And my mom modeled beautifully for me what it was to be a woman of faith that put her family first and just loved her husband and her children. And I always said growing up, you know, when I got a little older, I'm never going to marry a baseball player because I just want to have a normal life and I just want to be home. And well, God showed me that he was in charge and he brought this special, amazing man along in my life. And I knew, I knew right away, he was special. He was different. And, um, like Mike said, after our first date, we both knew, I, I called my college roommates and I said, I just met my husband. I know for sure. This is the guy that I'm going to marry. That's incredible. That's incredible.
2: That's incredible. I love that. And so, Charlotte, let's talk about a little bit about what specifically your mom did because I kind of, you know, it's overwhelming. You know this, you're a mother of six, I'm a mother of four. And um, and it's just, it's kind of like you want to do all the right things, but we can't. And so I think mm-hmm. it can be a little bit overwhelming at times because I love the Lord and, and I want nothing more than my kids to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. But I just get like, sometimes I get a little flustered that maybe I'm missing the mark a little bit with my kids. And so what kind of things do you think your mom did that impacted your faith the most Mm. Like going to church?
3: Yeah. Going to church. But honestly, I saw her sacrifice a lot. I saw her, um, but I I don't know that she saw it as a sacrifice because, and I feel the same way. Sure. There's maybe times where I'd like to go on a girl's trip or go have a girl's night, but I, I would much rather be with my kids. Um, my mom modeled that beautifully for me that you put your family first and i just i have a desire to do that because i saw her do that and it would just be i don't know it'd be weird if i if i didn't do that and of course it doesn't mean it's always easy there are times with six kids trust me it's it's chaos but <laughs> um, i when i think about getting overwhelmed or i'm not doing this right or i'm not doing enough of this i think about the audience of one and god cheering me on and clapping for me um at a wife's bible study um a few years well quite a few years ago <laughs> um i remember Debbie already talking about that like we're doing laundry and no one's cheering us on or you know we're folding the clothes or we're mean, we're packing our bags again and everybody else's bags again and um there's, there's nobody cheering us on, but really God is cheering us on. So if we can picture Jesus like clapping for us and saying, you're doing great, you're doing awesome. That's something that that visually in my mind helps me out a lot. That's good. I love that. I love yeah. that.
0: All right, Mike, let's go back and talk about your career a little bit. Let's talk about some of your, I don't know, like the things that you go, when you look back on your career that you're most proud of, the, the, the things that you miss, or just talk to me a little bit about Kind of your your career and in baseball and and the the relationships and people that had impact on you. I guess that's a lot Mm. of questions in one. But yeah, I'll unpack it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I'll unpack it. Well, first of all, Matt, I look back to the guys that were role models for me. So when I first got to the major leagues, there were three guys that I really looked up to. Um, They were older guys. They were guys that were married, had children. I was just a young twenty, just turned twenty-two years old. And it was uh, Tim Belcher, a right-handed pitcher. It was Mike McFarland, a catcher, and our closer, Jeff Montgomery. And I would see these guys at church. Um, They were the leaders in our clubhouse. And I was like, man, these guys are real men. Like, I barely have to shave. I'm 22 years old. And these guys are like real men. They have kids going to school. But they were men of virtue and men of faith. And I thought, man, someday I want to be like that. And then uh, the things that I was probably most proud of, Matt, Whew. Um, you and I played in an era where let's say guys took a lot of shortcuts and I'm proud like we have six kids I can look at my boys in the eye and, and tell them like no you know what there are temptations out there but like I, I look you in the eye and say daddy did it right and I know Matt you I think you played in a lot more all-star games than me hit a lot more home runs but you and I were built similarly like I remember Seeing you in in Hawaii or Mexico, and we lifting weights together, and I'm like, man, Matt's just a good old dude like me, big old donkey, loves to <laughs> loves to throw weights around, loves to hit, loves to just love his wife and kids, and um, I, I'll never forget though. There was one time in particular, Matt. This is probably the most proud moment of my career. Um, I was the captain of the team in Kansas City, and I would you know they put a C on my chest. I didn't want it, but it was because apparently I led well. Um, And I was, the only injury I ever had was a back injury in my whole career. And um, I ruptured a disc in my neck. And it was like the third time that I'd ruptured a disc. And the doctor said, you're going to be out six to eight weeks. And as I was trying to play through it, I was getting booed off my own home field in Kansas City. Sports Talk radio show hosts were taking shots at me and just saying I really wasn't hurt. I mean, uh, why did you pay this guy? Why does he have a C on his chest when he can't play? I mean, I could tell you there were. I cry myself to sleep at night from the pain. I I roll over and I get a lightning bolt down my arm, and I would scream, waking her up. I didn't know it, but I was in crazy pain. And I had a teammate of mine who I loved, and he said, "Swains, you know, if uh, the doctor said six to eight weeks, I got some stuff in my locker that if you take, you would be back on the field in a week." And I'll never forget. I went to my strength coach. I'm going to tell you his name. Because I'm so proud that, that he was in my corner that night. His name's Chris Milfeld. And um, I went into the locker room and the strength in the training room, excuse me, the weight room. And I said, Chris, um, I could barely move. I could barely breathe without a lightning bolt going down my arm. And I said, hey, um, my, my teammate, the doctor told me this. My teammate said that I could be back in 18th of the time. And I said, what are your thoughts? And And he grabbed me by my neck. And he said, he goes, you are effing Mike, effing Sweeney. You are the effing captain of this team. And he said, those 24 guys look up to you. And he goes, that little two-year-old boy that you got that comes after the games, MJ, someday you're going to have to look him in the eye. Do you want to tell him that you effing cheated? And um, I'll never forget that night because it was my lowest moment in my big league career. It was lower than when I wasn't playing. When I was a backup catcher, it was when the whole town was counting on me to carry a team that was in last place. And uh, I had a low moment because I was hurt, and the media was killing me, and uh, my fans were in my own hometown were booing me off the field. And when I had the lowest moment of my career, I was I was given an angel, Chris Millfield, to, to speak truth. So if you ask me what's most thing I'm proud of most, it's that. Um, you know I. I never won a silver slugger like you, Matt, um, but I I ended up missing a batting title on on the last day of the season one year. And uh, I've always said like, I'm I'm glad I finished second because I'd rather finish second doing it right than finish first. The guy beat me, um, rumored to have not done it right. So that's what I'm most proud of. Hopefully that answers your question.
2: That's awesome. You know, this is kind of off subject a little bit, but I noticed when Matt played, like the batting title thing, you know, what I didn't think was fair about that is some guys would just sit out the last couple of days to hold their average. You didn't do that. So um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the one year I won it was the year we played 163. So after 162, I had it, but we had to play the play in game against the Padres. And 162. And yes. so it, the stats counted. So I was going into that game with not only do we trying to get into the playoffs, but I could lose the batting title in the extra game while nobody else was playing. So I, thankfully, I got a hit early. But in the you won game. it. So early <laughs> in the game, thankfully, I got a hit. And I was like, okay, I'm good. And then we played like 14 <laughs> innings. So it's I'm like, oh, hot. my gosh. Like. And that's
1: that's when uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. hit the ball off Hoffy, right? And yeah. So it.
0: Chipper Jones was like a point behind me or maybe two. And so I had to get a hit. All I needed was a hit, maybe or a walk or something. And yeah, and then uh, and then the game
2: up, just kept going on. Uh, yeah, so like it was an <laughs> extra game.
0: So I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, anyways, yeah. so Leslie, uh,
1: it's funny. I'll say this and I'll shut up. But it's funny. The guy that beat me, we we'll just leave it at that. But he did stood out the last two games. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <that's laughs> I like we were laughing when you said that. That's why I laughed.
1: So go on, ask some, ask another question. To <laughs> no, no, she's not. more entertaining. Yeah,
2: than.
3: no, I'm not. No, no,
2: no. <laughs> it is funny though. It is funny because I remember, I remember that when you brought up the batting title thing, I remember watching Matt going, "Oh my gosh, like this is incredible. This was intense. This was intense at the very end." Yeah, but it is crazy. All right, so let's talk out.
0: about the the kids and and uh so how old were y'all when, or where were you in your career when you when you had your first MJ? First.
1: MJ. So um we were married a couple years and
3: right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, like,
1: a, a year months. and a half? No, a
3: few months. Okay, maybe a little quicker. When, maybe I was, I was pregnant. when I was pregnant.
1: Oh, when you are pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Shara, <laughs> we, we, I've been accused of being 99% Irish and 1% rabbit. Shara <laughs> got, got pregnant pretty quick. Uh, and anyways, we were, uh, I was kind of in the heart of my career and we got married and I think the conversation was like, honey, let's, you know, let's just wait for a long time and enjoy each other and travel. And then what, a few months later? They're
3: like, oh, should we try? Okay. Okay.
1: And then... So, but praise God. Yeah. Um, with our kids, we had Michael in 2004 and then, um, we kept having them until <laughs> a year and a half ago. I'm kind of like <laughs> father Abraham. Um, I'm, I'm beauty and she's, the, no, she's beauty. I'm the right. beast. And, uh, it's kind of nice. So we have, a, a, um, you know, Michael's our oldest and then we have baby Ryan at less than two years old, but I, I just wanted to share this with you guys. Um, you know, Matt, you have Jack, you and Leslie have Jackson and I've seen him you know, hit the national stage with baseball. And I'm so proud of him because I remember, you know, seeing little Jackson when he was younger going, gosh, what a, what a great little athlete he is and who would have dreamt that he'd be on the national stage, you know, 12, 13, 14 years later. But, um, you know, I, I remind our boys and our girls that the only goal that Shara and I have for them is that they would get to heaven. And I, I, I tell them that once a month because I don't want them trying to fulfill my, my expectations for them to be, a, you know, like you Matt, a 10 time major league all-star and you have all these silver slugger awards and rookie of the year. I just want them to get to heaven, but I do, I do caution them. Cause I said, if you guys love Jesus and, and you will reap the benefits of salvation through Christ, then you should be the hardest worker that your teammates have ever seen. You know, when you're on vacation, like Matt and I work, throwing around a hundred and something pound dumbbells on bench and we're killing it when everyone's out drinking and partying and having fun in Mexico, we were getting after it in the gym. And I'm like, as a follower of Christ, you should be the hardest worker that your teammates have ever seen. If you, if your butt gets benched, you should have the best attitude that your coach has ever seen because you're a cheerleader for your teammates. Uh, you should be the first one there. When their teammates leave you, your butt should be in that dugout picking up cups because you're a servant for Christ. So I, I, when you're in the classroom, Okay, our son, MJ, has a um, reading comprehension, whatever, learning disability. I said, doggone it, God made you perfect, so you're going to overcome it. It's not an excuse, but I said, you need to be the hardest worker in that classroom that anyone's ever seen. And if you're if your A effort is a C minus, and you know what, I'm going to be so proud of you. So that's kind of what our, our teaching philosophy has been as parents. We started 18 months with them based on Dr. James Dobson about disciplining them. We call it the five Ds. Um, disrespect, disobedience, uh, defiance and danger always lead to discipline and the, the, the discipline always has to meet the crime. And then the discipline is always followed up with love. So, you know, we started with baby Ryan about a month and a half ago, Ryan, don't throw your bottle after you're, after you're you know, at the table, he's drinking it, chucks it. All right, Ryan, daddy said, no. And it's literally like that hard. And he started bawling. Daddy said, no, he, I think I just break his heart. But then after the second time he knows no means no, and he's obedient. Like he's obedient to the father, and it's not out of rules, it's out of love. And and we always followed up with a kiss. But that's our parenting style. And what we've known is if we're consistent with that parenting parental style, by the time the kids are three, four, five, six years old, you know they're well behaved. They're not perfect, but they know that every time they hit that electric fence, they're going to get a zap, which means daddy or mommy is going to put a little spanking on their butt. But it's always going to be followed up with love. But um, at the end of the day, Matt Leslie, our our greatest desire, our greatest goal for our children, is that they would all fall in love with Jesus. They would all get to heaven. And I think Shar and I are modeling that for them in in our personal lives and our personal walk with Christ.
2: So, when was the catalyst for for y'all? So, um, as far as your your passion and your desire to follow so closely to the Lord, Shar, what about you? When were were you a believer as a little girl, or
3: yeah I was but it really hit me when I was I think 14. I was on my confirmation retreat. I grew up um, Lutheran and I had been I missed a lot. I was gone um, I was doing modeling in Japan the whole lifetime ago so I missed a ton of the you know the, our meetings and um, we we got I got back and our our pastor took us on a this awesome retreat. And she took us down to the waterfront and she said, she said, now look out at the water. And she said, what do you see? And we said, oh, we see ripples in the water. And she said, well, um, what's moving, what's moving the water? And we said, well, the wind. And she said, but how do you know you can't see it? We said, well, you can feel it. And she said, well, that's like the Holy Spirit. And that's how he works in our lives. And that was a huge a huge moment for me, where my faith became my own. It wasn't my parents taking me to church, and they, I mean, they still dip. but it was I wanted to go to church because my faith became my own. So mm-hmm. that was of my probably my big aha moment. I still have a lot of moments. It's it's a work in progress, and I continue to grow every day. I feel like, but that was a huge turning point for me.
1: And for me, Matt Leslie, uh, at seventeen, I was going through confirmation as well, and I fell in love with Christ and um about 2 months later I signed to play professional baseball um one of our uh, parishioners that went to church with us gave me a bible and I read it cover to cover a few times and I fell in love with Jesus through his word and um God brought some special priests and um pastors and baseball chaplains in my life but um kind of when when our faith as a family took off um probably was right after I retired <clears throat> And for any any listeners out there, Matt, I, I'd love to hear you and Leslie, maybe we should interview you guys next month. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good
3: idea. But
1: um, when I retired, I had this dream that, you know, I never could play golf because my back and I had, so I wanted I wanted to learn to snowboard. I wanted to golf, join some country club by our house. I was thinking, you know, I could go work out golf. And when, when I came home, the kids would all have their homework done. Dinner would be on the table. Shara would look like uh, Mrs. Brady on the Brady Bunch in her little cute dress and, <laughs> and dinner would be served. And then the kids would all go to bed and Shara would be you know, with you know cute lipstick on at eight o'clock waiting for me. And I thought, oh, life can be so good being retired. And then I realized golf, I, I stunk at golf. Um, it wasn't fulfilling. Kids need to ride to school. Homework needed help being done. Sometimes I need a barbecue. Sometimes I need to clean the house and um, I need to figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do in the second chapter of life because i retired at 37 so i remember uh, i meet with this I, we had we had a good friend of ours philip rivers over he and his family were over for a barbecue and he said hey mike i got to go and i said where are you going we just ate he said so i'm meeting this uh man uh, father martin for uh, spiritual direction and i said what do you mean he goes well we meet once a month and it's like a christian psychologist he, you know he talks about my relationship with jesus and my relationship with my family and my children so, man, I'd like to meet him. So um, anyways, it was uh, a couple of weeks later. I had my first meeting with this humble uh, man of God, and he asked me some questions. And one of them was something I'll never forget. He said, how's your marriage? Well, it was after, how's your relationship with Jesus? But he said, how's your marriage? And I said, well, I'm, since I retired, I've been doing these golf tournaments. I'm, I'm traveling. I'm trying to figure out I'm doing some work with MLB Network. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm a little bit lost. And he said, well, what would you rate your marriage on a scale of one to 10? I said, Woo. I said, well, I did get up at four in the morning. I wrote Shara a love letter. I made breakfast for all the kids. I made lunches. And I said, so it's probably an eight right now. But by the time I get home, it'll be a 10. <laughs> and he says, uh, well, I want you to ask Shara that same question. <laughs> so later later that day, I come home and my sweet bride's in the kitchen. And I said, hey, honey. And she's like, Hey. I'm like, oh. I said, did you get the breakfast and the lunch that I made for the kids? Oh, yeah, thanks, honey. Did you, How about that love letter I sent you? Oh, yeah, thank you. I'm like, oh This is kind of going over like a turd in a punch bowl. It's not really <laughs> flying real good. And uh, and uh, I asked Shara, I said, you know, um, how are you doing? And she said, I'm doing okay. And So a father asked me to ask you a question on a scale of one to ten, what would you rate our marriage? And do you remember what you said?
3: I think I said a three.
1: Yeah, and it crushed my heart.
0: So it wasn't an eight crying. about to be a ten. <laughs> it wasn't an eight about to be a ten, like you told no.
1: Yeah, it was a three yeah. trending towards trending a two. The <laughs> and uh, so I was like, oh no. And I said, Well, what do you mean, honey? And she said, Well, when you're home, you're not home. When you're when you're here in the house, you're in your office trying to plan these next things for our family and for you. And like mentally and emotionally, you're not here for our kids. You're and and it crushed me. So it allowed us to hit rock bottom together. We wrapped our arms around each other. And I said, Well, what what are some things that we can do to make it a 10? And one of the things that Father Martin had told me to do, he said, You need to start dating your wife once a month. You need to start praying with her and your kids every night. And within, I don't know, probably a week or two, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Our
1: our marriage went from a a three trending towards a two to a (laughs) 9.9 trending towards 10. So it was great to just remember that the most important relationship after my relationship with Jesus is not with MLB network or ESPN or any team I played with, it's with my bride. And I'm called to love Shara like Christ loved the church, which is willing to die for her. And then after that's our children. And we need to shepherd them and it's okay to, it's okay to be in a dark spot and realize that you don't know what the heck you're going to do with the rest of your life because God does and to rely on him and to, so it was a, a beautiful time. It was a hard time, but a real beautiful time because Matt and Leslie, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard the stats like 85% of major league ball players are divorced, bankrupt, and chemically dependent within three years of their retirement. And I was like, man, I don't want that to be us. Mm-hmm. So praise be to God, we made it through and,
3: and then had two more kids two
1: or three more three more i can't keep track i think three more yeah but who's counting yeah Well, that's so praise god you
2: bring up a really good point because char the transition for us is also very emotional and and it's just a different kind of, of of deal for us because there's a rhythm of life that we've grown accustomed to and especially for you like you grew up in the lifestyle as well and then there's just this sudden stop and yeah it's the expectations aren't really from my experience the expectations weren't really met like I I envisioned it looking a lot different than it actually did and so we also had a very similar conversation when Matt finished playing it was just it was just kind of this awkward um awkward rhythm
3: yes I agree yeah I you know he had his vision of what retirement was going to look like and mine was completely different I thought oh good he's going to help me drive and he's going to be here. We're going to spend all this time together. And and it was just, we should have talked about it, but you don't know. It just, you're so young. And I think it happens so fast. It's just like, you're on the treadmill going 10 for all these years. And all of a sudden it's just, you're done. It stops. And you're like, okay, wait, okay. Should I get involved in school? Should I get involved in, you know, is it transition? for all of us but thank god like mike said we leaned on our faith and leaned on each other and we're we're thriving oh that's good
1: she said that too it wasn't me i said what you said we're thriving it wasn't me that said we're at a nine or a ten it's
3: yeah and you saying it's a two or three we're at a ten plus praise god (laughs) and i really mean it yeah So,
0: so what are what are you up to mike are you doing some stuff besides um with teams or anything are you I mean, six kids, you're probably mostly at home, I would guess, at this point. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, don't guilt me into it, Matt. No. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, praise God. Uh, I was blessed to coach MJ, um, our our 17-year-old. Uh, and then when he was about 13, 13 and a half, I felt like, according to wonderful pastors like James Dobson, that it's time to let our boys fly. So I, I kind of let him fly on his own. And about that time, our 8-year-old Donovan, he's now 12. He says, dad, I, I really want to play Saints baseball. So we try to teach kids to fall in love with Jesus while playing baseball and in a great environment. So um, I started coaching a Saints team for Donovan and and now he has about another year left under my umbrella and then I'm going to let him go. And um, and also I'm, I'm doing some servant leadership with the Kansas City Royals, working with Dayton Moore and guys like Blaine Boyer and Reggie Sanders and um, we we get to go and you know, pour into the lives of guys from the big leagues, all the way to rookie ball That's and cool. just try to help them be better men on and off the field. So sometimes it's jumping in the cage with them. Sometimes it's throwing a BP, hitting ground balls, getting in a bullpen. Uh, I, I oftentimes I take guys to church with me and we, you know, praying with them, going to walk around the complex and just hold their, hold their arm and pray over them. So it's, it's a pretty cool ministry and Dayton Moore gives me the freedom to kind of do what I, whatever the Holy spirit calls me to do. So it's really cool. That's incredible.
2: That's unique. That's unique. It is. Mm Blake Boyer. I mean, he's a great person to work with. Amen. On the podcast. They're super awesome. They are. (laughs) Love them.
0: All right. So the last question we ask is it's called table 40. So if you get to pick six or seven to have a big barbecue with or dinner, we always, what are you having and who's there? And you could pick, your family's already there, so it can't be family. It's got to be like, you could pick it wherever, go wherever you want to go. But six or seven, eight people, we've had some really random answers. We've had <laughs> some Tom Brady's, some Michael Jordan's, some Justin Timberlake's. Abraham some Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. We've had some, <laughs> we've had some randoms. And then, uh, and what what food would you have? Wow.
1: Well, I'll let Shara invite three. I'll invite three. I know I'll be cooking on the Big Green eggs some some prime filet mignon. In fact, when you guys come to San Diego, I'm gonna cook some for you because I cook the best Perfect. steak in town. Um <laughs> okay. but Shara, who 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 do you think you'd invite, baby if you had three people to invite? I
3: don't know. Are they people that are still alive or they you can, can they, do it? You can do whatever you, you want. Anybody. Ooh. If you know, go ahead cuz I, I need some time to think.
1: <laughs> well, I feel pretty content in our house right now. In fact, if we invited six or seven, our family would take over more than that. Yeah, so, I was going to say you um, can
0: you can get 10 proportionate to your family if you'd like. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, somebody that I would, you know, a couple of my heroes um are uh, Pope John Paul II. Um he's he was great. Humble man of God that brought brought down communism in Poland and brought faith to so many millions of people and brought the love of Christ I, I think of also uh, the great Reverend uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Jackie Robinson. Um, I would love to, I would love to hug my grandpas again. Uh, I, th- those would be two people I would love to, to invite to dinner, but Shara, there's room for a few more at the table. Who would you <laughs> invite?
3: I would say, I was thinking grandparents. I haven't, obviously they're, they're all passed away. I would invite all of my grandparents and then some of them didn't get to meet you, so then that way they could meet you and meet our kids.
1: All right, there we go.
3: <laughs> I love my grandparents too. Isn't that an important
2: role in a life? Like, what yeah. an honor yeah. awesome to be able to to be a grandparent. I pray that the Lord lets me do that, and I want him to call me honey,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Gr-granny> honey. <laughs> oh, Granny Honey, Granny <laughs> Honey.
3: They call their the kids call the grandma honey and it's so sweet. They're from Texas. Oh, I it's very, like that. very
2: yeah. yeah. I want to be called honey. And then Matt can yeah. be called bear. And then it's like honey bear, right? <laughs> it's like we're going to honey bear's house.
1: Oh, <laughs> I love
2: it. Make great? sure they
1: prep it. Matt's built though. Make sure they call him grizzly bear because yeah. we don't want him being yeah. yeah. we don't want him being a little bear. He's the best little fat bear on hibernation. Like, the, yeah.
2: not, the, not
0: the hibernating fat bear.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Grizzly bear. Yeah. But anyway, I can't. I mean, super. Ask random. him
0: the question you you. Oh, asking.
2: you know, a friend of ours thought that another great question would be, if you could witness any miracle in the Bible, what would it be and why? Mm. Wow.
1: Woo. Well, one one. It's maybe not a miracle. It would be a miracle. Is uh, it's a prayer. It's Jesus's last prayer in in John chapter seventeen, when he's getting ready to die on the cross, and he prays, Father. Um, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. Um, My prayer has been that as Christians, we could come together and fulfill uh, the last words of Jesus before he said it is finished. Um, That his last prayer to the father was that the believers would become one, that no matter where they go to church, where they live, what language they speak, what they look like, that we would be one in Christ and I mean, it wasn't a miracle, it was just a prayer. But if we lived it out, it would be a miracle. It would be, it'd be my greatest uh, desire. Shara?
3: I would love to have been uh, either a fly on the wall or one of the animals to see the birth of Jesus. Mm. I think that would have been just incredible. Just Mm. to see see him, to see Mary, to see Joseph. um, I think that would be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Just
2: a promise fulfilled. And it didn't look yeah. like what we thought it was going to look like. I mean, you're right. That would be really, yeah. that'd be really cool. Yeah. Great answer. We should start. This needs to be on repeat. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great question. Hey,
1: Matt and Leslie, I'd like to propose that in the next couple of months, maybe if you guys interview Blaine and, and his wife, um, Blaine Boyer, maybe in the next couple of months, um, I could flip the tide and Shar
0: uh, and I could interview you and Matt. Perfect. That?
2: that would be great that'd be great that'd be awesome. guest yeah. host table Maybe we,
0: we, we can talk. We, could, we could do it at the house when we're with you guys there we go oh, even
1: we can, better. i'll go He's i'll go better. i'll go get, get the fat we'll and calf we'll be right know. at the
0: table yeah
2: <laughs> yeah table yeah table interview yeah
1: <laughs> i love it
2: thank you so much this is so fun we appreciate it y'all is. coming on
3: awesome.
2: and we can't thank wait you for, for having us
3: Thank you for
0: listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit
3: sportspectrum.com.